Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm too lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to all of you who are mothers, not you, men. It's not your day today. How many of you are cooking lunch? Thank you, Brother Junior. <laughs> Literally one. Okay, we have some training to do. Husband is. Yeah, my husband's going to help. That's good. Amen. Um, All right, well, they took my podium away. I was going to use the small one, so now this is awkward. <laughs> it's okay. I only need it for a few minutes. You're fine. Um, but, you know, Mother's Day is a day when we honor our mothers. I know that's mind-blowing revelation you just heard. But um, So <laughs> I want to honor you, and we're going to do things a little bit different today, as you can tell. But I want to turn to the book of Proverbs, verses 1, no, chapter 1, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5 says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. And then going down to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20, Hear counsel and receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. And you can be seated. I heard a friend of mine one time title a Mother's Day message a couple years ago, and I was going to steal it, but then I felt bad because I didn't want to take the credit for it when she's the one that came up with it, but I'm going to use it, but I did give her credit for the record. Um, life doesn't come with a manual, it comes with a mother. Can I get an amen? And the biblical purpose of a mother, as well as a father, is to train up a child. That is our purpose. As, as women and men in, in our homes, we are the head of, the husband is the head of the home, and together, him and the wife are to train up the children. That is the biblical purpose of your parents, children. So thank them every time they tell you in the way that you should go. And you should say it like that. Thank you, mother, for telling me in the way that I should go. She'll love it when you speak King James to her. But it is your job, moms, to equip, to train, to teach, to correct, to challenge, and ultimately prepare these little tiny humans to survive this life. And a mother will either train and counsel in the ways of the Lord, or they'll train and counsel in the ways of evil. And you may think, well, that wouldn't be a good mom, but trust me, I've heard it. I've heard terrible advice from mothers to their children that I thought, dear God, Lord, why? Shut that woman's mouth. But Second Chronicles 22, 2 through 4 gives us an example of this. It says, 40 and 2 years old was Ahaziah when he began to reign, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Athaliah, the daughter of Omri. He also walked in the way of the house of Ahab. And this last verse, this last sentence says, for his mother was his counselor, to do wickedly. You will either train your children in the ways of God or the ways of evil, and you've got a choice to make. Now, this flesh will rise up. How many of you have ever, your 
your child comes to you and says, Mom, this happened, this happened, what should I do? And your flesh <laughs> says, you go knock them out. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Was it my only one? I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Um, but we can either train them in the ways of God and seeking biblical counsel for doing that. And the Bible has a lot to say about teaching and training and instructing the next generation. And that's what you see up here is a representation of some generations. Deuteronomy 4.9, only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them to thy sons and to thy son's sons. And there's so many other scriptures that we could go to today that it is a biblical commandment for us to teach and train our children. Your children need to hear your testimony. If God delivered you from a life of sin, you need to tell your children that testimony. You don't have to go into the gory details, but you do need to say, look, the only reason that we're a family today is because of the mercy and the grace of God. They need to hear your testimony. Because there's going to come a time in their life when they're going to need the mercy and grace of God. And they're going to go back to that memorial, to that time when they heard you say, baby, God can do anything. God can forgive. It doesn't matter how far you go. God can bring you back. And that is our job. Titus 2, 3 through 5 says, the aged women likewise, that they, behave, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, so don't be drinking, to love their husbands, and Sister Bridget talked about that this morning in the Sunday school class, love your own husband, <laughs> and that's a whole message in and of itself, Just keep your own husband, not someone else's, okay, now I'm about to get off on something, I saw a meme one time that said <laughs> something about the Bible says to, uh, that God has a man for you. He just ain't someone else's man. <laughs> anyway, just a little extra there for y'all who don't have a man yet. And that's why Brooke's up here. She's going to help us today. <laughs> anyway, no, <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> I love you, honey. Jesus, bless her. <laughs> oh, that's what nanas are for right there. <laughs> anyway, so let's keep going. To love their children. I love you. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient, again, to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now, as you notice, we're doing something a little bit different than we normally would do on a Mother's Day. And today I've brought my mother-in-law, Sister Linda Staten. Give her a hand. <clears throat> and I am so, so grateful for this lady in my life. I'm telling you, you could not ask for a better mother-in-law. She is the most graceful, just sweet, just I love her so much. I enjoy being around her, which is a good thing when you're family. <laughs> and so I am so thankful that, that God placed her in my life. <clears throat> and then I have Brooke, my daughter. She's my oldest, as you know. She's 22. And we represent three generations today. And I want to talk to us today from the perspective of each of these generations. So because life does not come with a manual, I'm going to sit down now since they're sitting down. And I'm going to set a timer because the other day I taught a lesson and I was supposed to only go 40 minutes and I went an hour and a half. It's terrible. 
I didn't think I was long-winded. Why didn't y'all tell me? Y'all were supposed to tell me. Sister Valerie, you need to cut it short. No, don't do that. That would hurt my feelings. But anyways... So I'm going to set a timer. But because life does not come with a manual, it's beneficial to hear from others. How many of you like to hear from other people who've gone through some things that kind of help you navigate through life? And so we're going to do that today. Now, as far as I know, we don't know everything. We're not experts by any stretch. I know I'm not. And uh, we, have, we still have a lot of learning to do. But there's three different topics I want to talk about today that we're going to just share. We're going to just kind of have a conversation. And I'm inviting you into our little living room here. And we're just going to have a conversation today. And we're going to talk about heart, home, and heaven. Those are good topics to talk about. When I talk about the heart, I'm talking about love, relationships, marriage, and even pain that happens, heartbreak. When we talk about the home, we're going to be talking about keeping a home, cooking, parenting, those kind of things. And then obviously heaven, we're going to try to impart to you some spiritual wisdom and guidance um, that is so necessary. But before we get started, I want to honor my mom. She's obviously not here. Um, that's me in my glory days. I think I was 12 with, I think I curled my hair and then I brushed my hair. (laughs) And if you, uh, ever know what frizzy hair is, there you go. That's it with a big white bow on top. But anyways, um, I want to honor my mom. She's an incredible lady. Um, as you know, over the last nine months, there has been a lot of change in our lives, specifically hers. She was married to my dad for 50 years and, uh, this is, they married very young, and so this is the first time she's ever been without him um, in 50 years. <laughs> so um, she has, I have seen strength in her over the last nine months that I had never seen before. And I told her whenever my dad passed, I said, Mom, God's going to, because she kept saying, I just don't know how I'm going, I don't know how to go on. You know, I've been married to this man for 50 years. And he's not here. And uh, I said, Mom, you're going to see God give you a strength that you didn't know you had. And it could only be revealed in this kind of pain. And so, and I've seen that in her. And uh, trust me, she has her moments. She called me this week having a moment. We all do. But I've seen just an incredible strength in her. She's had to make some really tough decisions over the last nine months. She's moved. She's had to sell stuff. She had to get rid of stuff of my dad's, which was a very difficult thing to do if you've faced that. And so I want to honor her today because she is just an incredible example to me. And uh, I love her very much. I wish she was here, but she's in Texas with my brother. Amen. So to start off, before we dive into the really deep stuff, I want us to share our favorite momism. How many of you know what a momism is? It's, you know, the things moms say. Those things when you say them, your kids are like, oh, classic, <laughs> classic mom. So mine, mine is, I actually have two of them. The first one is, it's just your sinuses. Um, no matter what the pain, the sickness, I don't care if my arm was amputated, it was my sinuses. I'm, I don't know if that was a thing back in the, you know, the 80s, that sinuses were just causing havoc on everybody. But obviously in my family, it was just always my sinuses. And then the other one that I'm sure we've all heard is don't make me get the belt. (laughs) I think we need a lot more belts these days. But anyways, it's a different time. But Brooke, why don't you share? Oh, I don't know if I want you to share because I am your mom. (laughs) Go ahead. 
Mine is, it'll be fine, it builds character. You could be going through the worst heartbreak of your life, and she comes in and she's like, oh, it's gonna build character. And you're like, okay. Mom? Mine was, my mother used to say it, and I think I said it too, Jason can attest to that or not. It'll be better before you're married. I could come in the house crying, bleeding, and she'd say, it'll be better before you're married, and off I'd go. I don't know that I used it a lot on my kids, but I sure thought it a lot. She was right. (laughs) It's all better. (laughs) All right, so as we talk about the heart, I want us to kind of talk about some things that we love. Um, just something that we really enjoy, something you hold dear to your heart, an experience, a hobby. Um, For me, most of you know, the Christmas season is like my time. I love Christmas. I start listening to Christmas music in early August sometimes. Um, I know it's weird, but it's all right. I ain't ashamed. I celebrate Jesus all the time. If you want to, you know, regulate Jesus to celebrate only December, that's between you and the Lord. I choose to celebrate Jesus all the time. Um, anyways, I love Christmas. Um, another one is hiking. I love the outdoors. Um, I got that from my dad, and I love animals. <clears throat> uh, my next animal that I want, um, if you want to write this down, um, is a cow. I would like to have a cow. Um, a mini cow. Or a dairy cow. I'm not killing it for meat. I can't do that. That would be very sad. Um, But anyways, I love animals. I love the outdoors. Being outdoors is my favorite. So, um, Mom, why don't you share? Well, everybody who knows me knows I love to can. I love to go strawberry picking. I love to take my kids. When we first moved here, we found a strawberry patch, and we'd go picking strawberries. Then I took my grandkids. Now I'm taking my great-grandkids. And it's just something I always enjoy, being outdoors. And I do love Christmas, too. Mine would have to be my music and just having the opportunity to share it with everyone. And um, still here is out on iTunes and Spotify. <laughs> so I would put that in there. Um, the more streams, the better. Thank you. This is a shameless plug there. She's also got some new music coming out, so be on the lookout for that. Back to our regularly scheduled program now. Um, so we're talking about the heart this morning, and we're speak- when I speak of the heart, like I said, we're talking about the emotions of the heart, so love, heartbreak, and pain. So both of those affect us greatly. So first, I want to talk about love. <laughs> and everybody loves a good love story. And so we're going to share our love stories today. <clears throat> I know, you didn't expect this. From, from Mother's Day, but <laughs> uh, Bishop's nervous. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure why, but anyways, um, so I come from a home that was, um, love was exemplified to me by my parents. Uh, they were married very young, like I mentioned before. My dad looked like Elvis, and my mom said that's why she married him. <clears throat> um, he always had this little twig of hair that Elvis used. I don't know if he did it on purpose. I don't think so, but he may have. But they were married for 50 years. Um, there are three of us kids, and now they have nine grandchildren, and um, they were a great example to me of love and just sticking through some really hard times. I talk about my mom, and there was a time, I, many of you have heard 
my dad's testimony of when he was 21, he lost his whole family in a car accident. His mother, father, two sisters, a niece, and a nephew were all killed in a car accident while they were in Bible school. He was 21 years old, and my mom was a strength to him during that time. And obviously, it was before I was born, but the pain of that, I can't even imagine. But I watched, even as a child, my mom be a strength to him during those very difficult times. And so they exampled to me how marriage should work. It wasn't perfect, but I learned a lot from them. And so I was 18 when me and my husband met. Actually, I think I was 17 when we met. The first time we met, we started dating. Yeah, I'm telling you, we look good. Those were back in the hot sticks days. Anybody use hot sticks? You remember those? They're purple and pink. Yeah. yeah, those are the day. And that's back when husband had a different hairdo. So cute. Um, anyway, he was 21. He was in the military. I was 18. And um, we met at church. That's where you should meet your spouse is at church, not in the club. That's bad. Um, so we met at church. And we, I won't go into all the details. It's a really long, crazy story. Um, but we started dating. We went on our first date, November 2nd. And I re- we went to Denny's because that was the, literally the only place in the town that we lived in. Um, he ordered steak and eggs. And that's the first time I had ever seen that done. And I was like, what is this person doing? That's disgusting. It's the same to me as y'all's oyster and egg thing. Like you don't do you don't do eggs with just anything. There's order anyways. Um, so and at that breakfast he told me, he said, So I was telling my parents about you. I was like, Oh yeah, that's great. And uh, he said, My dad told me you're the one. That's a, this is our first date, folks. And I was like, Well, number one, I don't know your dad. <laughs> number two, that's a bit much for first date conversation, don't you think? I didn't say that, but that's, I was thinking all of it. Um, but obviously, he wasn't wrong. So good job, Dad, listening to the Lord. <laughs> um, so we went to, on our first date, November 2nd. Uh, he proposed at Thanksgiving time, if you want to do the math. Thanksgiving is in November. <laughs> so um, I guess he was like, I got to snatch this one up. She's a good one. I was like, good job. <laughs> so... Um, and then we got married in May of 1997. So that's our, that's our story, and I'm sticking to it. That's our wedding. I probably used hot sticks that day, too, but anyways. So, Mom, why don't you share with us a little bit about your story? Well, I also was 18. Um, I was in a singing group. I was getting ready to go to a concert. My mother comes into the room where I was, and she said, Friend of mine called her son, his home, brought a friend home with him from the Navy, wants to know if you'd like to go out with him. And I said, Mom, I don't know him. We don't, we don't know him. He's in the Navy. I mean, come on. <laughs> My parents were very, very strict. I was the oldest. I didn't do anything without consequences, either good or bad. So um, anyway... She stood there and finally convinced me to go out by saying, you never have to see him again. Just go. He's getting ready to go back to Vietnam. Just go with him this one time. And I said, fine. 
She left the room, and out of my mouth came these words, I'll probably end up married to him. <laughs> that was 49 years ago. <laughs> that was March, 49 years ago. He left for Vietnam in June. We did not see each other until he got back from Vietnam in December, and 12 days later, we were married. And so, <laughs> so we got acquainted through that thing that you don't even know about anymore. It's called snail mail. We didn't have internet. We didn't have, couldn't even call without it costing like $50 a minute or whatever. So everything was done by snail mail. And that's how we got acquainted. And that's how I was proposed to also. Aww, awesome. <laughs> by the way, I think we may have had the same cake. I'm looking, I just now noticed your cake. We had the one that had like 72 tiers with yeah. ladders and little plastic people on it. Woo, yeah. those are fun. All right, so Brooke, <laughs> as a single young lady, and it's okay, this is, hey, this is a good season. We talked about this the other day, and she said, I was thinking about it. I could do anything I want right now. Like, I don't, I can go anywhere, I can do anything. <laughs> The Bible says, be content in whatever state you're in, single state especially. So as a single young lady, what do you think is a healthy, proper approach to seeking your future spouse? Um, <laughs> single ladies, this is my advice. If you find a single man who is sane, don't let him go. <laughs> Lock him in your basement, feed him occasionally, don't let him go. I'm kidding, uh, it's a joke, it's a joke. Um, seriously though, I would say the most important thing is just to trust that God knows what is best for you. Trust me, it will save you a lot of heartache and emotional roller coasters. It's something that I've had to learn and the Bible says just to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So he'll make sure you're taken care of. Um, I would also say that making sure you stay submitted to your spiritual authority, that's, um, that's probably the most important. Uh, for me, I get to kill two birds with one stone because they're my parents and my pastor. So um, I don't only get the parental lecture, I get the <laughs> pastor lecture too. So, um, but... Yes, <laughs> but listening to what they say and just obeying even if you don't understand why, that's important. So, Very good. I remember when, right before I met my husband, I, my best friend at the time had uh, been dating a guy and they were getting engaged and she was younger than me. And I was so, I was like, oh, it's so not fair, I want a man. And um, I was outside, I, I remember so specifically I was, my dad was teaching me how to change the oil in my car when we were having this conversation. And um, he said, Valerie, the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added to you. And he said, when you put God first and his purpose in your life first and foremost, then when the time is right, he'll bring the right guy. And so <clears throat> for probably three months after that, I went in. I was in my prayer closet. I was praying for lost souls like never before. <laughs> I was like, God, save them so I can get me a husband. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but 
prayed, I prayed, I dedicated those three months to God. I said, God, whatever you want to do with me, whatever you want to do with my life, I want to seek you and your purpose first. And three months later is when, you know, the military sent, it's not about the military people. What is it? Anyways, um, it's, it's got to be the uniform. <laughs> Just kidding. You know, it is. They're good. They, you look good in the uniform. Good job. Anyway, um, <laughs> but seeking first the kingdom of God. So that's such a, a powerful principle. Now, Mother's Day can be bittersweet for a large group here today represented um, because they no longer have their mother with them. And that's a tough, a tough day to go through. Um, I'm not looking forward to Father's Day. Uh, there's, it's a bittersweet, you know, and you want to honor that person, but the pain of, of them not being here anymore is, is with you. And so after the loss of a parent, we're just going to kind of talk about how can that parent still speak into your life? And it could be a grandparent. I know there are some of you that your grandparent was more of a influence in your life than your own parents. And so how can that individual still kind of speak to you and serve as a compass or as a manual for your life? And I obviously have not lost my mother, but with the loss of my dad, I understand that pain. I understand that it brings such a huge void. There's just this void. I remember um, a couple weeks after my dad passed away, I would pick up my phone just out of habit because I text him every single day. And if I hadn't heard from him, until when it got evening, I was texting him, hey, how was your day? Or if he hadn't heard from me, he was texting me. And I remember picking up my phone a couple times and just out of habit, going to text him. And then that pain and that Mack truck of pain hit and said, he's not going to respond. And so I, I understand that void. I understand that pain that is there. <clears throat> and um, especially if you had a very close relationship with your parent. And, you know, the season that that we're in right now, our parents have cared for us. They've given us advice. They have provided for us. They comforted us. They've equipped us. And then there comes that season when the tables kind of turn and it's weird. How many of you are in that season where you're kind of having to start caring for your parents because they're aging? Um, it's just a very weird season. It's uncomfortable. I don't enjoy it much. Um, but when as a child, I, you know, I watched my mom and dad, they were the strength of my life. I mean, I went to them for everything and then to have, have to watch as their health deteriorates or mental faculties kind of start failing because of age and just life. And it's a, it's a very weird season. And, um, over the last nine months though, that my dad has been gone, there have been so many times and even, even more so now than when he was alive, his words come back to me. Different things that he has, how he has advised me or counseled me in my life. Um, when things have arisen, you know, my dad passed away in August of 2020. We were smack middle in the year from hell, <laughs> just to put it honestly. And um, there were so many times I would tell my husband, I, man, I need my dad. I need to tell him about this, or I need to find out what would my dad be thinking about this, or what, how would he feel? And there were so many times his words through the last 41 years of my life, 42 years of my life, that they would come back to me. And I just, I cherish them so much more now because I know I'll never hear them again, but they still resonate in my heart and my mind. And it's challenged me as a mom 
I want my children to be able to look back that after I'm gone, I want them to be able to say, my, this is the way my mom would have done it, or this is what my mom would have felt about it in a good way. And to be able to glean from the things that I would have said or done or how I would have responded to a situation. And so I think we can look back today, if, if your mother is not here, you can look back on the good and think, okay, this is how my mom would have felt. Or I see my dad and my girls so much now, more than I did before. Even Brooke got some pictures done yesterday and I was looking through them and I thought, man, I see my dad's cheekbones in her face. <laughs> and I'm just more sensitive to it probably. But <clears throat> I think if you can just, the pain will always be there, but I think it gets a little better with time. Um, I still have moments when I curl up in the fetal position on my bed and sob and cry and ask God why. I had a moment last Sunday, and uh, I'll just be transparent with you. During the healing process of everybody getting healed, there was a mental struggle within me. And um, I probably shouldn't tell you this as a pastor's wife, but I just want to be honest with you. I had to go back to my office, and I said, God, you're making legs grow back even things out, taking pain away from people. You know, my dad, if he would have been here, he probably could have got his healing, and I, I just had a moment in my office, and I'm glad nobody walked back there because they probably would have thought I was nuts. I was wailing. It was this pain that was coming up out of me that I, I can't explain to you. It, it was um, just not, not understanding fully, and I know, and I got up. I said, all right, God, you don't have to talk to me. You don't have to say a word. You don't have to explain anything to me. You don't have to give me answers today. I'm just going to pull it together. I'll put my game face on, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to rejoice with everybody that's being healed. So I came back in, and about that time, I see my husband and brother Dillingham walk towards me, and I was like, oh, man, <laughs> they know. <laughs> and so um, brother Dillingham walks up to me, he said, and it, when I told the Lord back there, I said, God, I'll, I'll go out and be the strong pastor's wife I'm supposed to be. And so he walks over, and he, his exact words were, you're a strong pastor's wife. And I was like, really, God? You got to tell everything? <laughs> and so um, he came over, and he said, you know, he spoke about peace. He said, God wants to give you peace. And he said, you don't have, you don't have to be strong right now. It's okay. God just wants to wrap his arms around you because he sees you. And I'm telling you, there was such a peace of God that came over me that I would never have been able to experience that, that moment of God being a complete comforter without the pain of losing my dad. And I know God in such a special way now, more than I ever did. And, and I'm so grateful for that, that he meets us right where we are, even when we're got a bad attitude. I was being a little sarcastic. I was like, okay, I'll go do what I got to do. And I'm going to, I'll go put my game face on. Here I go. <laughs> and then he does that. So I'm thankful that he's merciful. He didn't smite me right there on the carpet <laughs> and that he's so graceful um, to me to be able to do that. And so mom, I know you've experienced loss of a parent and so if you want to kind of speak to that as well. Well, um, my mother's still alive. <clears throat> she lives out in Phoenix. And uh, she calls me. We, we talk about once a week. And um, my mother's not in the same faith that I am. 
But recently, my brother-in-law, who is the same age as my mother, anyway, he had a stroke. And my mom was talking to my sister, and she said, call Linda. And my sister called me. And I'm like, why would mom tell you to call me? Because even though my mom does not believe the same thing I do, she knows that I can touch God. Because so many times she's called me needing prayer. And so the things that I think of now is, yes, my mom and dad did the best they could when they were raising me. And there's things that my mother taught me. I wanted to be just like my mom in a lot of ways. In some ways, I didn't. But I think that's with all of us. You know, there's traits of our parents that we admire and traits that we learn, maybe not, you know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But... um, I wanted to do everything she did. She drove a school bus. I drove the church bus and the school bus here. Um, She decorated cakes. I learned how to decorate cakes. She sang, I sing. She sewed, I sew. You know, all these things that she set as an example for me. And those will live in me for always. They'll never go away. One thing she does that I don't want to do is crochet. I don't like crocheting. That's, you you got to th- count, not, you know. <laughs> I want my mind to be free to do other things than sit there and count. But anyway, um, little th- things that she taught me come back to me every day. My father's been gone for 27 years now. And um, I cherish the things that he said to me as a, as a teenager growing up. I didn't really live around my family much, um, after I was married, so I didn't I didn't have that close bond like Sister Valerie did with her father, but I I still cherish those things and and they will come back to me. I'll be doing something and a and a memory will flash back into my mind of my family, my parents, and I will always have that and I'm thankful for it. We're gonna kind of turn our thoughts to home, and. The topic, obviously, when you talk about home is very extensive. We could do a whole series on so many topics within the home, but we're going to just kind of scratch the surface today. So, Brooke, how we're going to talk about family traditions and how important, first of all, are family traditions to you and why, and then share a family tradition that you share with us, your family, that's become important. So... I actually have a funny story. (laughs) Um, Okay, actually, I don't know how long ago it was. uh, Because of the Times, which is a church conference, I was in a very, very similar, very similar situation as this exact one, and that just came to my memory. Um, I was probably 13 years old. They asked me to do, like, this question and answer panel, and um, they asked me what my favorite thing to do with my family is, and I told them I like to sit around the TV and watch TV. You don't say that at a church conference, and everybody was like, anyways, I've never been able to live that down. It was just really funny how all these years later, I'm in the exact situation. We're giving you an opportunity to redeem yes, yourself. I appreciate Because <laughs> we don't sit around the TV all day long. My husband was on the front row during that, yeah. and he goes, we watch documentaries. <laughs> Yeah, not my finest moment. Um, but family has always been a very, very important thing to me. And my mom and dad have been so amazing at just making sure our family, they have centered that. Um, and um, I think something that is a big deal for our family is 
Disney. <laughs> Shocker. Uh, to some, I know it seems kind of silly because we just love Disney so passionately. Um, but what some may not understand is that when we're in Disney, it's just our escape from reality. And it's just our family in those moments. And it's just a chance for us to focus on making memories. And, um, you know, even from when I was, I can remember trips to Disney from when I was like nine, 10 years old, and those stick with me forever. Um, so I just love that. That's probably my favorite tradition. We have lots though. We go on lots of road trips and family board game nights and stuff like that. Those are super fun. My, me and my dad aren't super big board game people, but we do it because we love our family, so. Um. Mom, besides spoiling your grandchildren and loving them, how would you describe the significance and purpose of a role of a grandmother? I think a grandmother gets the privilege of loving her grandchildren unconditionally. I'm not responsible for them. What, when they're bad, it's their problem, not mine. And I can love them and soothe them and have fun with them, and I'm not the bad guy anymore. So I, I love to spend time with my grandchildren. I have 16 of them, and I now have five great-grandchildren. So it's kind of hard. When we get together as a family, how do you give attention to 16 grandkids, you know, and be meaningful? Oh, good to see you, baby. I love you. And, oh, good to see you, baby, you know, 16 times. But... Um, so what I have tried to do is, on their birthdays, I try to make it special. We're just, that per birthday child and I, we go out for their birthday. I take them to eat, and I take them to American Girl doll store, or we go shopping, and they can buy what they want, because I, I used to see them say, oh, thanks, Nana, for things <laughs> I bought them. They were trying to be kind, and I knew they didn't like it. So <laughs> it's just take them and let them pick them. That way I know they like what they got. <laughs> but, um, and I think another, and I get to talk with them, just them and me, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. They can talk. Some of them are talkers. Some of them I have to pull it out of them. But I get to know them, and they tell me things about the, in their heart. And when we leave, when I take them back home, I know how I can pray for them better. I know what's bothering them in their heart, or I know what they're happy about. And I can be a better grandparent, because I know them a little better today than I did yesterday. And then I think the other thing a grandmother should always be is an example of the love of Jesus in everything she does. The way she walks, the way she talks, the way she treats people, she, the way she conducts herself, always being an example of Jesus in their lives. Amen. That's so good. And you, I, I will commend you. You are an incredible <laughs> Nana. <laughs> I know my girls, they live for that day when they get to go with Nana to go shopping and they'll Dakota, 
you know, COVID messed things up on her and a broken leg and a broken leg two oh, years in a row. <laughs> and then, um, and then you broke your leg. It's like, man, we don't like March. Um, but she was like, mom, have you heard from Nana? When am I going to get to go with Nana? It's like, they is the highlight. And I'm so thankful for that example. Um, all right. We're going to talk about food. Y'all hungry? Let's talk about cooking for a little bit. There was a quote, um, by a guy named Mitch Album, and he said, I don't know what it is about food your mother makes you, especially when it's something that anyone can make, like pancakes, meatloaf, or tuna salad, but it just carries a certain taste of memory when it's mom's cooking. And uh, so some of my favorite memories have taken place in our kitchen. Um, our kitchen, if you've ever been to our home, that's where everybody wants to hang out. I don't know why. Like, I... I get the living room nice and clean, and I like candles. It's very inviting, and that way I can go focus on cooking, and everybody can go hang out and talk. Well, for some reason, everybody ends up in the kitchen, and they are watching me cook, and it makes me so nervous. <laughs> I'm like, how many times do I say, y'all, y'all are welcome <laughs> to go in the living room and sit and fellowship in there, and they're like, oh, we're good. <laughs> like, oh, great. Please watch me more. I love this. Um, but it's just kind of where everybody hangs out. They're all just sitting around um, the stove or wherever uh, watching me cook. And the holidays have are probably my favorite. I love to cook during the holidays. Um, and it's such a great opportunity for me to teach my girls how to handle the holidays. It's very practical, you know, like time management on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, how to what needs to be prepared the day before and what needs to be prepared that morning. And it's just a great opportunity for me to teach my daughters um, about cooking and how now we, we were talking. Yeah, go ahead. Can I know what I you're going to say this. <laughs> yes. When they first moved here, right after they got married, she hated cooking, hated it with a capital H. She despised cooking or anything that had to do with it. So this is a miracle girl right there. She's not just a cook now. She's a gourmet cook. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, um, yeah, I did. I had to pray that into being in my life because he likes to eat food, and I didn't like to make food. And so I was like, God, he's going to leave me. I've got, you got to help because hamburger helper ain't cutting it for the rest of our lives. And I would wake up and absolutely dread having to figure out what to make for dinner. Like, it was such an... I, it was horrible. I hated it. So I said, God, give me a desire to cook. And man, he answered. And now I just love it. I enjoy it so much. Um, I don't know that I'm a gourmet cook, but I love, I love to cook and to bake. But anyway, it's just a time of, that I really cherish, especially with my girls. And so what is a special recipe that makes you think of your mom or your grandmother? Um, we're going to all answer that. Mine is monkey bread. Do y'all know what monkey bread is? My mom used to make that for breakfast all the time, and it was my favorite. I love monkey bread. It's, you know, biscuits with honey or sugar and cinnamon and tons of butter. Mmm, so good. Um, and then the other thing is my mom's elk meat chimichangas. You know, when we lived in New Mexico, my, parent, my dad and my brothers would go elk hunting, and we'd have a freezer full of elk meat. And my favorite thing was when my mom would make enchiladas out of that elk meat. Mm, so good. And then my mother-in-law, the first thing I learned to cook really good was actually her spaghetti recipe. And 
my husband was so sweet and gentle and treaded very carefully when he said it, but he was like, you don't have to do this, but, and really, I mean, I'm fine with what you make. <laughs> he knew, he knew it was like, uh, my life could end right now. And so he was trying to, he said, but my mom's got a really good spaghetti recipe. I can call her and she'll probably give it to you. And I was like, sure. I took no offense whatsoever. I was like, I will take all the help that I can get right now. So I, to this day, I make her spaghetti recipe, but also her enchiladas. Anybody ever had her enchiladas? They are so good. And uh, that's, that's all I make. That's the only enchiladas that I make is her recipe. And then her chocolate chip cookies. Those will send you to the throne room. The same place that Claire got <laughs> in the song today. <laughs> that's where these chocolate, they're anointed. I'm just telling you. All right. So mom, what about you? Um, well, my grandmother gave me her fudge recipe that I always made for holidays, and my kids loved it. Then my mother taught me the spaghetti recipe, and I tweaked it a little bit, and then I think you've tweaked it a little. <laughs> so that's okay. You know, you get recipes, and you fix it the way your family likes it. But then also we have um, my mom made potato salad that was just out of this world, and I loved it. I still make it. Um, Last thing I'll say is butterscotch bonbons. That's it. So for my granny, my mom's mom, I'd have to say chimichangas. I have very vivid memories as a child after like playing war outside. <laughs> yeah, we played like intense war outside with my grown boy cousins and they would... <laughs> They had no mercy. It'll Anyways. build character. You'll be fine. Right. <laughs> Classic. Um, we would run inside, and Granny would have chimichangas laid out for everybody. So that's from Granny. Um, Nana would have to be roast beef because of all of the Sunday afternoons that we would go over to your house after service, and you would have rolls and salad and roast beef. Oh, those were great times. Um, and then for mom, her peach chicken. Enough said. That stuff will, ooh, Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. That stuff is good. If you have not had it yet, you got to do that at some point in your life. It is very good. Thank you. I like it, too. I'm not making it today, though, because it's Mother's Day, so... Um, <laughs> anyway, but a mother's job is to teach her children to not need her anymore when you break it down. And the hardest part of that is realizing that you were successful. And we were talking last night that I don't think you ever get to the point when you don't need your mom. I don't care how independent you are and how much you've moved on. You always just kind of need your mom. Um, when I'm sick to this day, my mind goes back to Vicks Vapor Rub. <laughs> Like, because that's, that was what was slathered on me when it was always my sinuses. They, <laughs> it helps with everything. And um, so anytime I smell Vicks Vapor Rub, I think of my mom and when I'm sick, and it makes me want her. I'm like, I want my mommy. Um, but so, Mom, I want you to kind of talk about how do you accept the success of raising independent, confident children um, who have become functioning adults, for the most part. <laughs> Just kidding. They're awesome. And still be a part of their life. Well, I have, I've been blessed with four amazing children. 
that just boggle my mind every day. All of them are in the ministry. All of them are serving God. I am so blessed and I'm so thankful that they even live for God. I have so many friends whose kids walked away from God and it breaks my heart for them. And to watch them be successful in life with your pastor, I remember he was preaching to 30,000 people at Youth Congress that year. I just thought, God, now I understand why the devil tried so hard to take him out as a child. He wanted to keep him from this day, from being able to reach 30,000 people for you. And my heart just swelled. And I thought, thank you, Jesus, that I got to be his mama. <laughs> and then my other children, my youngest son, went to across the ocean where Sister Du Temple's son is now to go carve out a work where there was no church. And so far away, I remember taking him to the airport and watching him and two little girls with their little suitcases behind him walking down the tarmac, going toward the airport, the plane. And my heart was breaking again because I didn't know if I'd ever see them again. They didn't have a place to live. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't speak the language. And, oh, as mama, you know, you want to go fix it all. And I remember them calling, saying their car got stolen. I was thinking, what can we do from here, you know? If we were there, we'd go get the person and bump them real good. <laughs> <laughs> But here we sat, thousands of miles away, nothing we could do except turn to Jesus. And Jesus took care of them. But to watch their, the accomplishments in my kids, my oldest daughter and her husband are starting a little church in, in Aquasco, Maryland. And I was there for a tea yesterday. It was small, just a little group of ladies. But the joy in her heart, I could see it on her face that she was doing something to reach people and to love people. And I think, God, how did they, how did they get this? Because I sure don't have it, you know? I'm, I'm, a, I'm not really an outgoing person. I mean, I love people, but I can't just go up and start conversations with people, you know? I, I'm, I don't have that in me. Their daddy does, so maybe they got it from him. There are no strangers to, to Jerry Staten, none, anywhere. But I am just so thankful that God took a blend of a very outgoing person and a more reserved person, and he made such amazing children out of them. And he's using them. And Jody up there helping us, I mean, that girl can get things moving. <laughs> I mean, she's got ideas that just spring. I, see, I look at her and I say, where do you get all of these ideas? She goes, Mom, from you. I thought, well, they left here because they're not there anymore. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just amazed. I am humbled. And I'm, I just thank God. I, I, don't, I can't tell you we did this, 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 and this. Because I don't know what we did except love God with all of our hearts. And I'm not going to say my friends didn't love God with all of their hearts. They do too. But we were just so blessed I remember telling somebody one time when I had my children, I prayed, even before they were born, God, if this baby's not going to live for you, take it now. Because it would be so much easier for me to lose it now than to watch them grow up and walk away from you. 
And I meant it. I meant it with my heart. I know it would be so hard to lose a baby, but it would be so much harder to watch one walk away from God. And I think God heard that prayer of a young mother that loved her children even before they were born and wanted to see them live for God. And I'm thankful that he heard my prayer. I think I was talking to somebody the other day, but when God gave you children, he trusted you with them. And he said, all right, I'm giving you this precious human being, this soul, and it's on you now. Now he's there to help you. But now it's on you to train and to lead them. And I, I, if, I love all of you. I love this church with all of my heart. And I'll do whatever I can to see all of you succeed. But if we fail at pastoring, but my four girls make it to heaven with me, I've been a, su- a success. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm not going to like it if we fail at pastoring. That would really be irritating. <laughs> but my four girls... They are my first ministry, and you should feel the same way about your children because I want my girls to make it to heaven. And that prayer, I've told people because I remember her telling me that, that is a hard prayer to pray. God, if they're not going to live for you, take them now while they are because I would rather my baby make it to heaven than to spend eternity in hell. And, and ladies, mothers, you have a very great responsibility on you to get your baby to heaven. That's what God is trusting, to lead and to guide them, not to be successful on this earth. Yeah, if they are, that's great. And I believe God wants to bless. But the main goal is heaven. And we, we need to take that very seriously. Amen. So... Speaking of heaven, we're going to kind of go that direction. Um, We're going to kind of shift our focus. And obviously, heart and home are very important topics. But by far, the most important is our eternity. And so we're going to kind of talk about some things. Um, First, I want us to share our favorite scripture with everyone. So, Brooke, why don't you share with us what your favorite scripture is and why? Mine is Leviticus twenty twenty four. I don't know. Do they have it up? They have it I didn't put it on a slide, okay. but they can bring it up. Okay. Just whenever you can, that's fine. Um, there it is. I don't have my glasses. Never do, but <laughs> you can read it. There it is. Um, that is my favorite verse because um, there were so many times in life when I was just feeling overwhelmingly lonely and just felt like I didn't have anybody to turn to. There were so many times where the word of God was just that for me. I don't don't know if I'm the only one, but there's been so many times just in moments of loneliness and you feel like there's nobody you can talk to and you turn in your word and it's just the verse you need. And that's what this verse was for me in so many different times and that never leaving you and never forsaking you. That is so amazing to me because that's just who he is. He's constant, he's faithful, and he's good. And he's proven that to me over and over again. So that's why it's my favorite. Well, mine has been the Proverbs 31 woman that I just, that I always seem to gravitate back to that because as a young wife and mother, I, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And at my bridal shower, a lady 
taught on this. And she turned to me and she said, this is your passage. This is what God wants for you to be. And I was like, I started reading them and going, oh, my word. How, I mean, <laughs> this woman was perfection beyond. And so I have been striving for 49 years, trying to reach that. I don't know that I ever will, because she was some kind of woman. I mean, Wonder Woman had nothing on her. I mean, <laughs> this, this girl could do everything. And, but she, she set a high standard for me to reach for. And so I've always tried, who can find a virtuous woman? That caught me right off the A virtuous woman in this world today, who can find a virtuous woman? She's priceless. Her price is far above rubies. So she's priceless. I wanted to be priceless to somebody. <laughs> At the end of that passage, it says her husband and her children rise up and call her blessed. That means more to me than anything to know that I have made such an impression on my family that they love me and they cherish the life and the example that I have been. I'm sorry, I'm so emotional. <laughs> but that's been my passage of scripture all my life. And if you know her, you know that. And she has lived that, absolutely. Um, mine is Isaiah 61, one through four. Um, the spirit of the Lord of God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Um, I love that scripture because it's everything that my dad and mom taught me about ministry. You're here to help bind up the brokenhearted. You're here to minister to people, and that's what ministry is. And, and our family was very ministry-minded. It was you do the will of God, and you serve in his kingdom. There is no other option, and I'm so thankful for that. Some people may see that as a bad thing. I am so grateful that my parents said, you're going to serve in the kingdom of God, and taught me from very young how to do that. And so, and that was kind of our scripture. In fact, on my, my dad's tombstone, that's the... That's the scripture that is right now on, on his tombstone because he lived it and he taught it to us. Um, Brooke, why don't you share with us your experience when you first received the Holy Ghost? <laughs> I was eight years old and it was on an Easter Sunday. We had just come back from uh, doing an Easter egg hunt with Kids Power Hour and we came into grown-up church, and I had my purple dress with sequins on, and I remember we came up to the altar, and I had really wanted the Holy Ghost, mainly because I was terrified I didn't want to go to hell, so I was praying that God would give me the Holy Ghost, um, and I remember coming up to the altar, and Sister Pleger, who was my Sunday school teacher, came up to me, and she started praying with me, and next thing I know, I'm speaking in tongues, and I started laughing because I was excited. <laughs> I love it. Sister Pleger is still teaching our young people and kids in Sunday school. That's an example of faithfulness right there. 
Amen. Um, Mom, why don't you share with us your introduction to the apostolic faith and the story of when you received the Holy Ghost for the first time? Well, I had been raised in a denominal church that taught me if I spoke in tongues, I had a devil in me. So that was a very big obstacle to overcome. But when I reached 18, I began to search, and I was seeking. I was hungry. There was something missing in my life, and I didn't know what it was. I was doing everything I knew to do. I went to church every time the doors were open. I was in the choir. I taught Sunday school. I was a leader in the youth group. Everything that I knew to do, but there was a big gaping hole, and I didn't know what it was. And then I, in that singing group that I was talking about, I met a young man by the name of Moises. He led me out of the wilderness. <laughs> he began to tell me about, <laughs> yeah. He began to tell me about this Holy Ghost thing and about speaking in tongues. And now he didn't have all the truth, but he had that, that truth, that thing that I was searching for. And so I began going with him to Jesus People Bible Studies. You ever heard of that? Y'all too young. But back in the 70s, they had Jesus People, which were basically hippies that were looking for Jesus. And I'd never seen anything like that in my life. But they had something that I didn't have. And I would go to those meetings, and I would just sit and watch. And I would observe what was going on. And I mean, there was more hair there than anywhere I'd ever been in my life. I mean, <laughs> Pentecostals had nothing on them, you know. <laughs> the men had more hair than the women. But anyway, um, I would sit in those, those sessions, those studies, and I would watch hippies, people that the world wanted to just toss them aside because they were strange, they were weird, you know. They didn't conform to this, the norm of everybody else. But they would sit on the floor, and they would raise their hands to heaven, and their faces lifted and just glowing and singing praises to God. I'd never seen that in my entire life. The church I went to, you sat, you sang, onward, Christian. So that was the fastest song we ever sang. And if you clapped your hands, you were out of order. If you sneezed, they'd turn around and look at you like, how dare you disturb our service? You didn't say amen. You sat. And you did nothing. Tried to stay awake. And then I received the Holy Ghost. And no, I did not receive it in an apostolic church. But I knew that I got something. Because all of a sudden, that emptiness was gone. I could raise my hands and glow and feel the presence of God like I'd never felt it in my life. And you, you, peop, you children who are being raised in this, cherish it. You've got to understand what you've got. So many people are looking for it and they don't know where to find it. So hang on to it with all you've got. And then... That was in the beginning of March, and as I already said, toward the end of March, I met the red-headed Navy guy. <laughs> now, he was not living for God at that time. He was backslidden, but he had a background of Pentecost. 
And before he came home from the Navy, he was transformed. He was a different person. The letters even changed. It was, oh, baby, I love you. Oh, I can't wait to see you again. Then, oh, isn't Jesus wonderful? Jesus, we're going to do so much for Jesus. <laughs> and then I almost got to the point of, hey, remember me? You know? <laughs> but like I said, 12 days after he got home, we were married. Three days later, we left for Stockton, California to go to Bible school. And when we arrived at Bible school, I walked into a parallel universe. I had never seen anything like it in my life. I mean, I, all these people, the night he got back from Vietnam, he asked me not to do a lot of things that I had been doing in my life that weren't horrible, but just things that lifestyle that he wanted me to change. And Sister uh, Bridget, you talked about submission, and I'd been taught submission in church and I said well he's going to be my head so I have to submit I don't know why in the world he's asking me to do these things but you're going to be my head so okay and then when we got to bible school I'm looking around going okay I get it (laughs) I see so but slowly the holy ghost began to work so that was my first introduction to apostolic church now I'd been to a Christmas program before that but you don't really see apostolic at a Christmas program, okay? Except Sister Urshan singing. That was, that was kind of, whoa. <laughs> if anybody's ever heard Sister Urshan, I saw a woman walk up. I looked down to talk to Anita, and I heard, oh, coming out of this woman. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> but when we got to Stockton, he went to Bible school. And as I would sit and type his notes for his classes, God started working in me and teaching me. I started seeing things like, oh, I get that, that I thought I understood. But as I'm typing his notes for his classes or his papers that he had to turn in, I'm like, oh, wow, that, that's so cool. I get it. I understand it. So God has his way of reaching this little Trinitarian girl and starting to show her the truths of his word by trying to help him get a good grade. That's incredible. And if you know Bishop's story, it's his mom that was the reason why those letters started changing from, hey, baby, I can't wait to see you, to ain't Jesus good. (laughs) But his mom prayed him through a lot, and I'm sure he's shared that here before. And I give honor to her. I miss Nana so much. She was one of the most sweetest, just meek, and just an incredible lady. She was the best mother-in-law ever. (laughs) Aw. I hope my sons-in-law say that someday about me. I don't think they're going to, but anyway, we'll see. If they act right, then I'll be nice to them. But anyway, (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, let's move on. Um, I'm not kidding. (laughs) Somebody over there goes, she ain't kidding. (laughs) No, my girls got to act right too. Everybody just act right, everybody. Tell your neighbors to just act right. Sister Valerie won't have to take you out. Um, Anyway, uh, real quick, I want to tell you about 
uh, well, when I got the Holy Ghost, I was five. It was our Christmas service. I can take you to the spot. I can tell you what dress I was wearing. It was like Brooke was wearing a purple sequins dress, which sounds so gaudy. Um, (laughs) But that was the way we did it back then. I was wearing a red dress because it was Christmas. So anyway, I was five years old. Sister Smith was praying for me, little teeny tiny lady who would jack up any grown man. I mean, she, she was a teacher in our Christian school of high school students. Those guys, those high school guys were scared to death of Sister Smith. So that's why, that's what it took to bring me through to the Holy Ghost at five years old. Anyways, um, I remember uh, when Dakota got the Holy Ghost, Brother Victor Jackson was praying with her. And later he asked her, he said, Dakota, how did you feel when you got the Holy Ghost? And she just goes, oh, I felt like I just ate a monster. (laughs) I was like... That's interesting. Are you sure that was the Holy Ghost? Um, But then it kind of made sense because I heard another another little girl kind of explain the Holy Ghost. She said, I feel like I swallowed an angel. And I'm like, okay, that's what it's supposed to be. She just, monsters was more relevant for Dakota for whatever reason. Um, But anyway, Brooke, you're a young woman who has a very deep personal relationship with God. What are some effective ways that you can talk to the girls in your generation and even younger? How do you suggest to them that they develop and cultivate that relationship with God? I would say start by praying. It's always a good place to start. And just ask God to give you a genuine love for his word, and he will. Um, Growing up, I wasn't the most spiritual, and so I honestly didn't have like a true love and hunger for the word of God, but I remember something along the way just clicking, and I had been praying that God would develop a love within me for his word and for the things of God, and he did. And um, now I not only love reading his word, but I just love studying it out. I love history, especially biblical history. And this is where I'm gonna plug in the show, The Chosen. Anybody of you who watched it, you know, yes, (laughs) amen. The show is amazing. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. That's all I'll say. Um, but I love biblical history. And so being able to learn what happened behind the verses is so fun to me. Um, but in any healthy, strong relationship, there has to be communication. And ladies, if you, uh, if a guy truly likes you and he's truly interested in you, he's going to show that to you by talking to you. And nowadays he might like slide up in your DMs or whatever, um, and eventually he'll ask for your number and then phone calls and all of that. It's a whole process. It's, it's, uh, that's why I'm single. But the way, <laughs> the way he gets to know you is he talks to you every day. And on the flip side of that, when he has expressed that he's interested in you and wants a relationship with you, but then he like ghosts you, which for those of you who don't know what that is, that's when he leaves you on read or delivered, which is even worse. Um, you start to wonder if he really meant what he said, if he really likes you, if he was even interested in you at all, and you feel like he's neglecting you or doesn't want that relationship with you. And it's the same with Jesus. If you truly want to know him and you want to develop a relationship with him, it comes with communication. You have to talk to him. And if you want the benefits of a relationship with Jesus, like being able to hear his voice and um, during times of uncertainty, feeling that unconditional love and that peace, you have to have a relationship with, with him, and that only happens by simply talking to him. It sounds so simple, but that's really it. Just take time to talk to Jesus. There's a song we used to sing, 
Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He'll hear our faintest cry, and he'll answer by and by. And I, I've sang that song my whole life, and I, I've tried to live it. That there's last Sunday that I was telling you about. That was me having a little talk with Jesus. <laughs> and that's what cultivates relationships. I don't care if you're two years old, five years old, or 55 years old, talking to Jesus, and he responds to that. So that's it's so good. Um, I'm going to skip a little bit just for time purposes. Um, but real quick, the last thing that we're going to talk about is hearing the voice of God. And I want to, mom, if you will just kind of talk about how is it that you learn the voice of God and you recognize that that is God speaking. I've heard of so many people say, well, how do you know? I, I had somebody ask me this past week, how do you know that's God speaking to you? Um, and knowing the will of God is such, I wish he would just write it on a slideshow and throw it up there. Like, this is what I want you to do, but it doesn't always work that way. So how do you know and recognize the voice and the will of God? First of all, the voice of God will never tell you to do anything that is contrary to the word of God. So if you're hearing something in your head, you go to the Bible. If it's not in here, well, that's King James. I don't understand it. Then get a new King James. If it's not in the word of God, don't do it. I think the first time that I ever was heard the voice of God was the day I said, I'll probably end up married to him. I had begun praying for God to send me a, a husband because I got tired of having my heart broken. So I kept, I think I'd found Mr. Wright, and he turned out to be horrible, not Mr. Wright. So when I began to pray, God began to answer. And so when you pray, okay, this is something I do that you're going to think is really silly, but I do this. Now, up in D.C., we have lots more intersections and ways to go to get to places. And sometimes you can go right, or right? <laughs> at the light, or you can go straight and still end up getting to the same place. So I'll pray. I did that even before when I was down here. God, which way should I go? I'm coming to a light. Which way do you want me to go? If the light stays green, I'm supposed to go straight. If it turns right, I mean red, then I'm supposed to turn. Undoubtedly, every time, God would answer that prayer. The light's red. Okay, I'll go right. I don't know that... That was God speaking to me. I don't know that I would have been in an accident or something bad would have happened, but I trusted that God was directing the way I should go. And he was keeping me from something. Experience. You learn to hear the voice of God. You learn to recognize him speaking to you. It's not something that you're just, I mean, when a baby's born, they don't know how to speak right away. It takes time to learn. When you first come to God, you don't always realize if you're hearing the voice of God or not. But if he's telling you to do something that you know is wrong, not the voice of God, that's your first clue right there. But experience will help you to learn to understand and recognize his voice. I think... Sister Bridget hit on some things in Sunday school today. The voice of God a lot of times sounds like your spiritual authority as well. When you submit to spiritual authority, you've got a covering over you. 
So don't underestimate that God will speak to your spiritual authority for your life. Um, I know for me, the will of God has always brought peace, even if the circumstance wasn't peaceful. Even if the decision I made was not going to be a very peaceful situation that I was going to enter into, I felt peace because I knew it was the will of God. Um, but I, we're, the musicians can come, and we're going to kind of conclude that, you know, maybe today some of the things we've talked about, specifically talking about the, the Holy Ghost, that experience with God, and Maybe you don't have that manual in your life, a mother figure, or maybe you just feel lost right now where you are. God has given you a manual, and that's his word, and we can depend on it. It is faithful. It never changes. It's powerful. It speaks life. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's a promise. And so if you are feeling that, some of the things that we've talked about, if you feel that, that hunger and that thirst for more of God, that relationship, what my mother-in-law was talking about, that, that peace that just came over her when she was filled with the Holy Ghost, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And, and maybe you're here today and you, you feel that drawing and your desire is to know God. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. God is drawing nigh to you today. And I want us to stand as we conclude. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.